There has always been a community of relationship. I think that's such a profound thought. Before me, before any of you, before Adam, the first man, before the first woman, there was a community of relationship. And I think that's, that's really powerful. It's really profound. And to know that we were actually designed for that kind of relationship. We were created for connection. We were created to belong and to have relationship. We were created to be delighted in. We were created to be enjoyed. So I'm very glad to be able to be here this morning. And I believe that God is really wanting to do something in us today. I believe that he's wanting to, to transform our hearts. And I believe he's also wanting to transform our relationships. So I just want us to pray. Put your hand on your heart. And Father God, we just open our hearts to just receive what you have for us. God, cause us to just be open to what it is that you want to do and what you want to say. Father, we thank you for the spirit of love and power and self-control this morning. And Father, I thank you that you have given us your perfect love that casts out all fear. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting a new series, The Relational Toolbox. You know, everybody's got a toolbox, right? There's a whole bunch of different things in here. Some of them you might know what to do with. Some of them you might not know what to do with. I don't know what they're for, right? But we all have a toolbox. And we've all been collecting these tools, you know, just as long as we've been doing relationship. And we might have got some of those tools probably, you know, from parents, Maybe some from brothers and sisters, right? <clears throat> some friends. I think, you know, maybe some of the dangerous tools might have been on the playground, you know. You might got some there too. But we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But we have this toolbox. And there's just, again, lots of tools. And, you know, some of them, you know, I might have like two tools. You might have ten. You know, mine might not be very effective. Yours might be like awesome and I need to learn from you. And um, so it's important to just take a look at those tools, and that's what we're going to do this morning. There might be better tools. There might be more effective tools. There could be tools that Jesus even talked about that we could use. And uh, when I think about that, um, when I was in high school and in shop class, there's a little um, image if you could put up, Chris. And I don't know if you can see it. It says, use the right tool for the job. <laughs> you know, we can use the wrench for a hammer. Anybody ever done that before? <laughs> you know, you might even be able to use, like, try and use pliers for a screwdriver. You know, it might work, but there are more effective tools, aren't there? There's things that will actually work better. And, you know, so it, it's good to have, have the right tools, but then it's also important that we use those tools correctly. I was thinking, you know, when Maddie talked about relationship and community a little while ago, he said, you know, about learning, having a vision for using his toothbrush. Anybody remember that? And I thought, you know, I've used the toothbrush my whole life. You know, it's the right tool for cleaning my teeth. But do you know what I've done? I don't use it properly. I use it way too hard. So you know what I've done? Worn away all the enamel at the gum line. So because I haven't used the tool, the right tool properly, I've actually done damage. So it's important that we have the right tools, but then we also use them properly. So this is my toolbox. Anybody, who's, who's prophetic here? What do you think's in this? <laughs> nah, no, there's something. 
There's something. I have something that you're probably going to think, why does he have that? Well, because we're talking about connection, we're talking about reconnection, talking a little bit about disconnection, I brought glue. Ah, we have a great big jug of glue. Now, you probably, again, you don't think of that necessarily as a tool, but you know, when, when you're joining things together, you know, sometimes nails don't work. Sometimes screws don't work. You actually have to glue them together. So it's important. We need Holy Spirit, God-inspired glue in our relationships and in our friendships, in our families, in our leadership, in our workplaces, in our parenting, in our care groups. We need God glue. So what is the glue? Well, really, the glue is just our ability to connect. Now, it's just sort of a little aside. I thought, you know, this whole connect, disconnect, reconnect, you know, if you wanted to summarize the gospel in three words, it's the gospel, right? God created Adam and Eve. They had fellowship. There was sin. They were disconnected. God sent Jesus in, in, in the likeness of, of mankind so that we could reconnect. So our relationships, this is something that um, Matt Garvin, for those of you who know him, you know, um, he says, you know, like, relationships are constantly changing. You know, we're, we're moving close to one another, we're moving further away. So it's important to just sort of take a look, you know, how, how am I doing? How are we doing? What, what's working? What's not working? So that's what we're going to do this morning. But before we start, this is like honesty time. I want you to be able to understand that I did not, I was not born with any of this information. <laughs> um, I, had to, I had to learn all of this. Um, it's been a, a, a journey, <laughs> and these tools are just things that I've picked up along the way that I've learned to use in my relationships. In fact, I'm still learning. Um, you know, there are other tools, like I said, you know, that we learn on the playground. We've actually had to learn to get rid of. We're like, that, that didn't work so good. Punching him in the face, that was not helpful, right? So as a kid growing up, I was pretty sensitive. I grew up with a lot of shame. Um, at school, you know, kind of the name calling, all of that kind of stuff. Being excluded, not wanted. As a result, I spent most of my life in my room reading books, living in somewhat of a fantasy world pretty much just hiding, disconnected, living in fear and isolation. That was, that was me. That was my life. So all of this is sort of some of the stuff that I've learned along the way, healing, relationships, connecting. So I want to tell you my number one goal this morning, because if you get nothing else out of that, other than this, I'm actually okay with it. If you actually leave this place with a vision for what relationship and connection could be, I will be happy. If you see the, the people at the table and you're like, I want to be somebody that is at that table with the father at the head of the table and you go away from here with a hunger and a desire and say, I actually want that in my life, then I will be, feel like I have done my job this morning. Amen? So that is my number one goal. Paint a picture of what connecting could be and what community could actually look like. This is something that I picked up from Bill Johnson that helped me kind of start to get a vision for community. Now, whenever you see the word Zion in the Bible, what I want you to do, 
take out the word Zion, and I want you to put in the word worshiping community. So we're going to look at a few examples and tell me if you think that this idea is actually significant or not. Psalm 132, 13 through 14 says, The Lord has chosen the worshiping community. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Isaiah 46, 13 says, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will grant salvation in the worshiping community and my glory for Israel. Other verses say that salvation is going to come out of the worshiping community. Is that significant? Is that cool? Does that help you kind of understand that this could be something more than what we thought it was? Psalm 76, 2 says that his tabernacle is in Salem or Jerusalem, his dwelling place also in the worshiping community. So we've heard it said that the Bible says, you know, God inhabits. Does anybody know where God inhabits? The praises of his people. So, you know, as we become worshipers, as we come together, we worship. God abides in this place. God abides with us. And I want to read one more. Isaiah 62 verse 1 says that for the sake of the worshiping community, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines like the dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch. We're not going to keep quiet. We are not going to shut up. <laughs> we are not going to stop preaching. We are not going to stop stop worshiping. We are not going to stop praying. We are not going to stop interceding until this church, this community becomes everything that God intended it to be. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Who loves to pray? I'd love to see you on Tuesday night, seven o'clock. That was just a little side. <laughs> but we're not going to keep quiet until we see this church become everything that God has intended it to be. So this is another thing that took me a long time. You know, I had this, this quest, this desire, this hunger for community. But do you know what I found out? It's not about just community. That sounds funny. Now you're like, what? What are you saying? The goal isn't just community. The goal is community with God at the center. That's what it's about. The worshiping community, the, the, the community that placed God at the center. So that's what we need to be. That's what we need to become. So for me, this means that the way that we do community and the way that we do relationship, the way that we celebrate together is really important. Jesus says it like this. John 13, 35 by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you. So do you think the way that we love one another is important? The way that we do relationship is what makes God known. Boom. It's the way that the world knows that we are his followers. 
by the way that we do relationship, by the way that we love one another. Now, not signs, not wonders, not miracles. I love those, but that's not what makes God known, right? But the way that we do connection. And because that is true, I think we actually need to get good at it. Is that fair? (laughs) We need to get good at loving one another, connecting with one another. When I took um, Bethel's School of Supernatural Ministry, I I, I totally expect that, you know, they're going to teach you how to prophesy, they're going to teach you how to preach, they're going to teach you all this stuff. Do you know what they really just taught you how to do? Love people. Love yourself. Receive love from God. Love one another. Why was I surprised? (laughs) Why was I surprised? Mark 12 Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Amen. Amen. So Larry Crabb, um, I came across this quote. He says that the greatest need in modern The greatest need in modern civilization is the development of communities. True communities where the heart of God is home, where humble and wise learn to shepherd those on the path behind them, and where trusting strugglers lock arms together as they journey on. That is cool. That is powerful. That is a picture of community. See, connecting happens... When something good is poured from one person into another person, then it actually has the power to bring life and wholeness. It is releasing the power of God through our lives into the lives and hearts of others. Now, this is what I think is really cool. This is impossible without the gospel. It actually requires that we understand the gospel to be able to do this. The gospel makes it possible. The kind of relating depends on our fellowship and our relationship with Christ and then spills over into other people. Bless you. You're welcome. (laughs) And it has the power to change lives. To think, just the power of friendship has the power to change lives. Did you know that? Amen. Amen. So, Really cool. Now, connected, and I'm using this word, I should have had somebody count how many times I'm saying connection, connecting, all of that, but I didn't. Connected community is at the center of all things. Why? Why is community, connected community at the center? Because God is a connected community. God exists in a community. A community of connected persons Now, point at yourself. I was created in the image of God. You can say it after me. I was created in the image of God. Created for community. Amen. Larry Crabb goes on and talks about really, he says, you know, most of the stuff that is, or if you want to say it, wrong in our lives that we try to fix and try and diagnose and, you know, try to do all this stuff, he says, really, it's just a symptom of disconnection. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Disconnection from God, disconnection from one another. 
So one time, again, just sort of a part of my story and all of this, and it was like, this is when that kind of became real to me. You know, I was just sitting, journaling, you know, I don't even remember what I was reading at the time, but just had this, this sort of awareness and this picture, you know, just imagine sitting at the couch or sitting where you're right now, and imagine the Father sitting beside you, and imagine Jesus sitting across from you, and the Holy Spirit kneeling down beside your feet, and it was, just, it was just such an overwhelming feeling of just the mutual affection and mutual respect that they have for each other. And then being invited into that, like, who am I? Right? But we're all invited into that. We're all invited into that relationship and to have that. See, God is a relationship. <laughs> now, you know, part of what the video said, you know, the greatest longing in every human heart is to be in a relationship with someone who delights in us. Someone who has something that you don't, that you need, and wants to give it to you freely, willingly. And then, this is really cool, respects us enough to make us use everything that we've received for the good of everybody else. Isn't that cool? That is really, really cool. Oops, new app here, trying to figure it out. The gospel enables us to believe that there is actually something so terrific and so amazing and so good that is alive in all of us. What do you think that good thing is? You know, I know you know. It's Jesus. It's the life of Christ in us. That's what we have to give. We accept people for who they are, and we believe in what they could become. And we, we believe in each other because of the gospel. So we ask God simply, God, show me what it is that you are doing in Pastor Megan's life. I get a picture of that and I tell her what I see God is doing. And then there's this transfer, there's this life, there's this power that happens, that takes place, this exchange. A vision for others, a God vision for other people bridges the distance between two people and causes connection. So, there's, again, there's something in us that is good that we have to give to others. And I think sometimes we withhold from relationship because we don't believe that we actually have anything in us to give. We don't have anything good to give, right? What am I going to say? I can't pray for that person. I can't do that. No, you have the life of Jesus on the inside of you, and you have something to give. Amen? And everybody, nobody is disqualified from that. Which I think is just really cool. So again, thinking about that, we all have the life of Christ in it and we can all give it away and we can all receive it and what could this community look like? Amen? Yeah. Amen. So there's no connection. This is a profound thought, this crazy thought. There is no connection. There's actually no community without Christ. Amen? John 15, we know these verses. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from, you, apart from me, you can do how much is nothing. 
It's still nothing. It didn't get redefined. If you remain in me, you are like a branch. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. This is an invitation. Do you read this as an invitation? This is come. Come be connected to me. Come be in relationship with me. All life flows out of that place. All life flows out of a connection with Jesus. So we have something to offer when we're connected to the vine. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in that love. Stay connected. That's what Jesus is saying. Stay connected. Verses go on to say, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my Father I've made known to you. Again, this was a powerful change in my thinking because I really did think of God kind of like me, slave. God, do what I say, kill you if you don't. <laughs> really. And that was sort of the way, but I didn't realize that you know, God was actually inviting us into an actual connection, that he wanted to be a father. I honestly thought that God's goal was compliance 100%, right? Don't do what I say or you're out. That's it, right? That was my understanding. I didn't understand that really that this idea of obedience just flows out of a love connection, right? And that's what he's inviting us into. God tells us what's important to him so that it becomes important to us. It's important to him. It's important to me. So we do what he says because we don't want to damage the connection, I know this may be really simple, I'm sorry, but we're setting it up for some stuff here. <laughs> we govern ourselves inwardly. And this actually applies to all relationships. Simply put, you know, I don't hurt my wife, I don't hurt my kids, so I change. Not because I'm afraid of how she's going to react, but because I actually care about the connection. I actually care about the relationship. So that's, that's what we're saying here. So what do we need to experience what the Trinity experiences and their relationship with one another? That was a long question. Ah, I think it's a great question. So we've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit in relationship. Their relationship is amazing. Now, what do we need to be able to have that kind of relationship with one another? So that's what we're going to talk about. These are kingdom values, tools for relationships. And I believe, you know, as we align ourselves with what God says and we align ourselves with the types of things that they're doing in their relationship, we will experience shalom. Anybody know what shalom is? 
peace, peace. It's everything. It's joy. It's completion. It's well-being. It's everything, right? We're actually going to experience that. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love some of that. Amen? I would love some shalom, right? So, now, there's a disclaimer. A little slide come up. A disclaimer. There's no substitute for doing it, right? You have to actually practice these things. We can sit here, we could talk about them all day long. Doesn't make any difference. But as you begin to take these thoughts and these ideas and apply them to your relationships, it will make a difference. And I would recommend that maybe you take one or two and begin applying them. Don't try to apply the whole list. You probably are gonna have a really bad time, right? Pick one. And then once you get really good at that, pick another one and then begin to grow that one. So we're going to talk about that. So you have to actually do it for it to work. So, you know, we saw the, the, the basement floor. We saw the, the you know, that, that, that being poured this morning, right? Now, this idea of a foundation and a floor to build on, we know that you have to have that, right, to be able to start. So our foundation is unconditional acceptance, Every building, everything you build starts with a foundation. Now, unconditional acceptance. You get to be you, and I get to be me. Oh, that's scary, because you're different than me. I'm different than you. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Unconditional acceptance, accepting for who you are, even though you're different, I'm different. And when this gets, atta- when it gets attacked, right, when things start to happen, when I try to make you like me and you try to make, then fear comes into the relationship. That scares me. And then guess what happens? Well, now I want more control. So now I'm trying even harder, right? But we have this idea that, you know, I'm going to accept you, you're going to accept me. Now, I want to say this because you're probably all thinking, oh, no. Unconditional acceptance of one another is not unconditional acceptance of behaviors. It's not the same thing, okay? But when there is something going on that you're doing that scares me, that hurts me, I'm going to tell you, right? That's the way that it's meant to work. Just going to let you know. My goal is always to build connection, right? To bring us together. And then we, again, we manage ourselves to bring connection, See, I know that my behaviors actually affect you. I actually have the power to hurt you. Or I have the power to build you up and strengthen you. So again, I choose my behaviors, my actions based on that. And again, I believe this is really a a reflection of the relationship that we have with the Father. So that's the starting point. If you want to end up with the shalom, if you want to end up with the joy, if you want to end up with the peace, It starts with unconditional acceptance. So the first pillar, pillar of love. We have a pillar coming up. There it is. We're building something here. Okay, pillar of love. Okay, before we start, who can name this quote? Okay, love, true love. We'll follow you forever, so treasure your love. Anybody? (laughs) Princess Bride. Okay, so, you know, we use, I think, you know, that word love, we use it pretty flippantly sometimes, don't we? You know, I love the chair, I love my car, I love pizza, you know, I love you. What does it mean? You're like pizza? I don't know. 
But, it, you know, it's kind of flippantly, you know, it's just sort of, we just throw it out there and it means so many different things, right? So love means, again, I feel connected, I feel safe, I feel nourished, I feel cared for. Is that a kind of good-ish definition? So if you're not feeling any of those things, I don't know what it is, but it's not love. Ouch, I'm sorry. Um, it's an intimate connection where we feel safe, where we can actually show one another our hopes, our dreams, our fears. And it's rooted in, again, one of my favorite verses, perfect love casts out all fear. It's rooted in fearlessness. Love produces fearlessness. Okay, second pillar, honor. Now, honor is not about just being nice or being polite. Classically, we tend to think about honor. Well, if you honor me, you will do what I say. Honor, you know, it's like somebody has, if you will, all the power and I have no power. That's what we call honor. But the Bible tells us that we're actually to honor all people that we are actually supposed to submit to one another. This is, this is my definition for honor. Honor is the practice of two powerful people who meet the needs of each other or a situation. So they're coming together. There's a mutual, there's an equality, there's a working together in this idea. See, God has honored us. You know, the, the, the top man? <laughs> you know, he's lifted us up. He's elevated us up from a place where we already read it. No longer call you servants, call you friends. He, he makes us co-laborers. He makes us co-heirs, right, with him. He says, you know, everything that the Father has given me, I give to you. He's lifted us up. So again, we need to learn to practice that with our friends, with our children, with our spouses. Self-control also important in what we're building. This means that you get to tell you what to do and you get to do it. <laughs> Easy definition, right? Not too complicated. But have you ever noticed that sometimes it's really hard to tell you what to do and then do it, right? Doesn't matter about what somebody else is doing. Doesn't matter what somebody else is saying. You know, no, this is me. This is who I am. This is, you know, doesn't matter what you say. I'm still going to be loving. I'm still going to be respectful. I'm still going to have honor towards you. No matter what you do, that is powerful. That's, that, to me, that's a powerful person. <laughs> Again, I think Jesus just exemplifies so much of this. So that is my responsibility. It's not your responsibility. There's no blame. The way that I treat you should never change. So responsibility, another pillar Again, simple definition, my ability to respond, okay? Can I respond to what's happening around me? Am I able to deal with what's in front of me? Again, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to respond. I know how to respond. I know how to respond with love. I know how to respond with respect when your two-year-old is screaming on the floor. I know I am able to respond in that situation. We need a plan. Pillar of truth. You know, so important. And I'm going to a little bit kind of different, but truth is a form of trust. 
And you know, this is, this is a quote, you know, you ask people, what do you look for in a relationship? What, number one, what do you think it is? Trust. What is trust? Well, again, I think we typically define trust. You know, if Betty, if you act like me all the time, then I will trust you. <laughs> that's really weak, isn't it? That's really not going to work very well. So that's, that's not really a very good definition of trust. Trust is the exchange of truth. It is about intimacy and vulnerability. You know the truth about me because I tell you. This is how I'm experiencing you. This is how I'm experiencing this situation. It's awesome. It's amazing. I feel loved. I feel connected. That makes me feel disconnected. That makes me feel hurt. That makes me feel afraid. Feel like I'm in grade two. But that's the way that it works, right? It is really simple, right? And sometimes we just complicate it. This enables me to manage me towards you when you tell me how you are experiencing me. Does that make sense? You got that? Do I need to say it again? <laughs> I know, it's kind of crazy. This enables me to manage me towards you when you tell me how you're experiencing me. Right? Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, you're going to wrap your head around it. Now, classically, we don't tell the truth to each other, do we? Who said that? That was really fast. <laughs> we're guarded. So you can picture it like this. You know, we show up. We're all kind of wearing, like, suits of armor, right? And we're trying to connect, but there's no connection, right? Like, we can't, we can't connect. We're just, like, a bunch of clanging kind of metal, right? Because we're just guarded, but we got to kind of let the guard off so that we can connect. You know, we ask, how are you? How do we respond? We ask, did that bother you? What do you want for dinner? <laughs> What's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing. See, we're so good at it. We know all the right answers, don't we? We're so just, I think, just so programmed. But this actually takes vulnerability. And we need to learn, Pastor Greg says this, you know, we need to learn to show up. We need to learn to show up and not hide what's going on inside. We need to be honest about it and be able to create relationships where it's safe to be honest about it. You know, my wife and I, we took a, a course and and again, it just at the end of the course, you just again you feel so much community and so together, and you don't want to leave. And ask one of the the directors, you know, how do you do that? How do you how do you create community? What does community take? She gave me an answer. I did not like it. Vulnerability, being honest, being open, being real. Pillar of faith. Now this. Like, we actually need something bigger than us in our relationships. Our relationship has somebody to answer to. If not, the strongest wins. The angriest, the scariest, the most manipulative, or the most intelligent, they win. But we have something else so that we're actually governed in this relationship. Again, faith happens from the inside. We begin to govern ourselves and then we become teachable. Like, we, you know, God is at the center. We become teachable. We put his values at the top in that relationship. Pillar of vision. Where are we headed? 
what are we building together? Are we building anything together? Are we going anywhere? What is the destination? You know, some people say, you know, we just kind of drifted apart. Nope. You failed to plan a common destination. We need to know where we're going. Where are we going with this relationship? What is the purpose of this relationship? What is the vision? So we have some pillars. Now, next slide. Our shalom sits on top of that. Our joy, our peace, our hope, all of those pillars. It takes all of those pillars for that. And if one of them is missing, it's not going to work. If you redefine any of these things differently, it's not going to work. You can ask yourselves, you know, in a relationship, you know, how is our peace? How is our joy? Right? How is our, our, our sense of well-being? Right? And then you can begin to, to ask these kinds of questions. And these things, you just continually build them. Like it's, again, it's, they're, they're really simple, but you just keep building them. You just keep building them. And you'll also notice that like really everything here really relies on your ability to control you and manage you. So the quality of your life, this is a proverb kind of reworded, but the quality of your life is totally impacted by your ability to have rule over yourself. Ouch. Yeah. Okay, disconnection really quick. You know, when I think about this, I, I just had this thought, you know, Jesus gives us such a full picture of God that we never had before. A God that is so good and so amazing. Now think about this. He broke up perfect relationship for us. He became disconnected so we could become connected. I think that's just powerful. Anyways, for the most part, I don't think we need any help with disconnection. I think we're really good at it. <laughs> Watch your children, right? <laughs> but there is something that I want us to, 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 to think about here um, that comes from a, a, a story from a Hungarian doctor. His name was Ignaz Simmelweis. And in 1846, he was an assistant professor at John Hopkins School of Health, Public Health. And in order to save lives, they, this is when they started doing autopsies. They didn't understand anything about germs. So they started doing autopsies and recording causes of death and doing all of this kind of stuff. And he, he noticed that in this hospital that there was a lot of women that were dying in the maternity ward. So there was two maternity wards, one that was staffed by medical doctors and students, another one that was staffed by midwives. Now, the department that was staffed by medical doctors and the students, there was five times higher death rate. It's like, why? Why is this happening? Well, the big difference really was that all of these doctors and these students were performing autopsies. So he came up with this theory that you know, when they were doing the autopsies that were, they were getting these tiny particles on their hands, and then when they were delivering the babies, they were being transferred to the mothers. The mothers were getting sick, and they were dying. Interesting story. What does this have to do with relationship and connection? Well, I think for me, you know, sometimes the thing that we're trying to build, we're actually destroying. Sometimes we're building community. And sometimes I am the problem in this relationship. Obvious things, jealousy, insecurity, pride, fear, make connection difficult. 
you know, if we are just, you know, if, if our goal in life is just minimize pain, maximize pleasure, it's not going to work out so well in our relationships, is it? If our whole goal, if we just want to rely on ourselves and our understanding and our ability, it's also going to hinder our ability to connect. So who knows what the solution is? You're going to love this one. You ready? What? Well, that's, that was the story for there. But for us, you know, we got to crucify ourselves. We have to die to ourselves. You know, Pastor Greg uses this illustration in a number of his weddings, you know. It's like, you know, we have to like roll down the window when we want it up. Or, you know, we have to like turn down the thermostat or all of these things, right. You know, you know have chicken when I want steak. Like all of these kinds of things. And, and they're very simple kind of, but I think you understand just the idea that when we're in relationship, we have to learn to die to ourselves. We can be the problem in the relationship. So really quickly, I'm going to talk about reconnection. Have you ever felt like you're just not on the same page with somebody? That we're not connecting? Everyone experiences love differently, and it's easy to miss the mark. So I don't know if anybody has this in their library. Can you see this? Does anybody have this in their library? Gary Chapman, I think. Five Love Languages. Has anybody ever read it? Raise your hand if you've read it. That's fantastic. Do you ever use it in your relationships? Yes. Come on, you guys are amazing. So good. So I'm just going to just review that. And if you've not heard, if you're not familiar, like who, does anybody, who knows what their love language, primary love languages are? We've got a few. So you can go onto a website. It's called fivelovelanguages.com. And you can just do an online test and it'll tell you. You can do it for your children, you know, and, and it helps you kind of just assess that. But there are basically five ways to feel connected. Um, so the first one is just gifts. People just feel loved, valued, and appreciation with a really nice gift, right? Really important because the gift actually says, I know you and I'm thinking about you. So if you don't get the right gift, it could be bad. It could be bad. <laughs> Not necessarily about the, the price tag, but just really just about communicating, I know you. I know what you like. Acts of service. Anybody have any acts of service people in their lives? <laughs> right? Let me do that for you. And then it kind of converts into currency and it gets deposited into the bank. Right? And then when that bank account gets empty, ah, start freaking out. I've never said this in my life ever. Right, Josh? Wash the dishes. Take out the garbage. Whose bag is in the middle of the floor? Yeah, I could say that. <laughs> right? And then... You know, and, and reality is once it gets to that point, it doesn't matter what anybody does. It's not going to help anyway, right? So it's just really just sort of knowing those kinds of things that will just sort of help out. It brings peace, brings connection, brings relationship. Words of affirmation. Anybody know any words, people? Yeah. Words carry a huge weight. We know that. The Bible says, you know, like there's life and death in the tongue, right? Simple praise, simple compliment generates comfort strengthens the relationship. You know, have to be careful with the criticism. I recommend that you use kind of like this great big affirmation super sandwich. Affirmation, a little bit of critique suggestion, more affirmation, I love you, you're amazing. <laughs> Goes over well with your affirmation people. Um, quality time, again, spending time together and, and, and not just 
any time, but just time that just being present, being there, being together, again, it brings that satisfaction. It reduces the anxiety, brings peace. Distraction, definitely an enemy here. If you keep postponing dates, definitely a problem. Um, but just, you know, just be present, be there. And then this one I save for last. What is it, Doug? <laughs> Physical touch. Another common love language. Everyone needs touch. And again, it's sort of like having this meter inside, right? That measures the last time I was touched. And when you're touched, it goes up. And when you're not, it goes down. And then things are not good when it goes down. So just this, this touch. Feel safe. Feel cared for. So that's the five. You, again, you can get the book. You can go onto the website. But really just... Again, speaking somebody else's love language to them can really just build that connection and, 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 and just bring, bring a sense of, of together. So that's, those are sort of the tools, right? Build that house with those pillars and then even use these, these love languages in your relationships. You, again, you can use them with your kids, use them with you know, your spouse and friends. So I'm just going to invite Jody to come back up and... This sounds really lame, but connecting is a big deal. It's really important. Through connecting and through community, we grow. We discover who we are. We heal. We find purpose. We learn to die to ourselves. And we become like Christ in community. So, like I said, I think it's a big deal. And as I already said, I think, you know, we need to learn to get good at it, right? Because it's what tells the whole world that we are followers of Jesus, that we are lovers of Jesus. As I said earlier, there's no, no connection, no community without Christ. And I don't know, I don't know all of you here this morning, but I just want everybody to have the opportunity to just say, hey, I would like to be connected to that vine. I would like to have some of that life. I would like to be able to have Jesus just as my Lord, as my Savior, to be able to bring this so that, again, I have this, right? No community, no connection without Christ at the center. So is there anyone here that would just like to just give their heart to Jesus this morning? That wants to have that, that source of strength, that source of life on the inside that they can be able to give to anybody? If there is, you can just raise your hand. You can just lift your hand this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. You know, anybody else, anybody who just hasn't accepted Jesus, that wants him to be Lord, who wants him to be Savior, Amen. Amen. We're going to pray this prayer with those of you that raised your hand. We're going to pray this everybody together. And this might be a really bad assumption, and I know what they say about when you make assumptions, but I'm assuming that we all actually want to grow in relationship. I'm going to assume that we all actually want to grow in connection with the Lord and with one another, that we want to be tools, if you will, or instruments to help other people grow, to help other people become more like Jesus. I'm going to assume that we actually all want that, and we're all just going to pray this together and just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross to rescue me, 
from sin and death and to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from sin and self-centeredness. And every part of my life that does not please you, I receive your forgiveness and I ask you to take your rightful place in my life as Savior and Lord. Come reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and your life and help me become a person who is truly loving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. Give these people a hand that raise their hand.